So parents, have you ever noticed how generous your kids can be with your money? Uh, or maybe if you're here and you are a kid, have you ever noticed how generous you feel when you've got a pocket full of your parents' money? <laughs> like, it's really an amazing thing. If you're here and you're a parent, no matter how much money you give your kid, if you're sending them away and all you have is a 20, but you're saying get lunch, no matter how much money you give them, there never really seems to be any change that returns unless you are specifically requesting a detailed breakdown of what happened with that 20 that you gave them in the day. You know, it's amazing to me how glad they are to maybe pay for a friend's meal who would be in need that day as well uh, when you ask what happened with the money. Or when it's a, a holiday uh, or a birthday or maybe a, a time when gifts are needed and they don't have any money, so you give them money to provide for a family member, maybe even for your own birthday, how extravagant they feel <laughs> in going out of their way to buy something very generous for you on your dime. And parents, if you're honest, maybe you've, you've kind of joked about this or felt this before and, and you've, or you've made a statement and said, you know, uh, isn't it uh, awesome how generous you are with my money? Isn't that great? And on the outside, we might kind of jokingly celebrate their generosity, but I think the reason we struggle is on the inside, there's that feeling that we always have. It's thinking about how hard it is to, to work for money, to save for money, the value of a dollar, all those things are inside of us and we kind of want to teach that to, to our kids and yet we're kind of pleased with their generosity and so it's a little bit of this kind of tension or mix that we feel in all of that. In those moments, we aren't thinking really about what we have. When we begin to think that way, we're thinking about what we don't have. And Forbes magazine calls this scarcity thinking. They had a big article on this, thinking about our limitations instead of thinking about what we can do with what we've actually been given, what we actually have. In fact, sometimes I think this might be one of the most challenging aspects of becoming generous. Even if we want to be generous, the pressure of us making ends meet or meeting budget uh, make us think about how limited our resources are or what are the limits to our resources. And we start thinking things like, well, if only I had more money like so-and-so. We look at the cars in someone else's driveway and we think they must be doing better than I am. Or if only I had a job and brought in an income like this person. And when we focus on how we're limited, it doesn't really matter how much we have. It never becomes enough for us. Because once we start to say, if only, then we find that we continue to say, if only, as we move throughout life. And when we, we focus on that, um, when we look at what we don't have instead of what we do have, we end up feeling trapped. And we feel limited because we believe that there's not going to be enough to go around. And as a result, we're always waiting for the moment in the future that we feel we're going to arrive at a place where we'll be able to be generous. But then that moment never seems to arrive. Today I want to talk about how to experience life with a different mentality. I think it's the mentality that God wants us to experience life with, and that's a mentality of abundance. How to think about our resources differently. How to consider, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, just how unlimited our God really is. He's not limited. Because I think sometimes when we think about our limits, what we're really doing is we're limiting our faith and our trust in God as our provider. We've limited our resources to what we can do and what we can accomplish apart from God. And let me ask you this question this morning as we get started. Have you ever thought of God as your provider? Or maybe even better, have you ever experienced God 
as your provider. I mean, have you ever really been in a place where if God didn't provide, you wouldn't be able to move ahead? Have you ever experienced him that way? Several weeks ago, we spent some time studying the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. It's the first of three chapters known as the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people who are interested in following God. People who gave up a day to come out and sit on the side of a mountain and hear from God. So Jesus is speaking and he's telling them that God wants to provide for all their daily needs, not only their spiritual needs, but also for their physical and emotional needs as well. And if you have time, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you should go back and read it. But maybe especially today you want to read Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says that God even provides what the birds need and you are so much more valuable to him than any bird. And for you animal lovers in the room, I'm sorry, but the Bible says we as people do have a higher level of value to God than the animals. He created us with his soul. We were created in his image. He does want to have a relationship with us. And God is making this point, Jesus, is that if God is going to provide for a bird, if God is going to meet the needs of a bird, how much more does he care to meet your needs as well, to provide for you? And Jesus says, is basically saying, you can trust God to provide. And this is such a powerful passage. In fact, there's a, a big theme uh, in the faith stories of the Bible, this theme of trusting God as your provider. In Genesis 22, there was a man of faith named Abraham, and Abraham is actually celebrated multiple times in the Bible specifically for his faith and his trust in God. And Abraham gave us a name for God that points us to who God is and how God wants us to experience him, and that name is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord provides. Abraham, who was a man of faith, I want you to catch this, said, this is who God is. This is how you can experience God. He will provide for you. Isn't it true for me and for you that in the daily grind of life, we often forget that this is who God is? And we may even like the idea of God being our provider. But then when we grapple with our own ability to be generous or what we need in life, what we feel we need, we tend to say things like this, if I give something away, or we think this, if I give something away, if I give too much away, there's not going to be enough for me. I work so hard to provide that for myself, and we tend to think of ourselves as our providers, as our default. We see our limitations of provision, or we see our, uh, what we're able to provide as the limits, and we don't see, think about God as our provider. We tend to trust more in our paycheck, or we trust more in our savings account, than we do in going to God and saying, God, I'm trusting you'll provide for the needs, of my needs, for the needs of my family and enable me to be generous to others as well. Here's a thought. Is it possible that God has provided all of those things that you think you've provided for yourself? <laughs> Just something to think about this morning. Maybe it's possible that God gave you the ability to work and so he's actually provided that for you. Maybe it's possible that God provided the connections for you to get the job that you had, that he made your vehicle last a little longer, or maybe he prompted someone else to help you in a time that you needed it. In the spiritual realm, we really have no idea behind the scenes all the different things that God has gone out of his way to make sure that we were provided for because we don't think about it that way. We think about providing for ourselves. We are our provider. And I think it's so easy for you and for me to get our paycheck and not consider it, consider it as God's provision but instead to put our trust in what we have and allow our limited ability to provide for ourselves to end up creating fear about what we don't have. It's easier for us to 
bank on ourselves than it really is to have the faith to trust in God as our provider. So let me ask you, what if you aren't as limited as you thought you are? (laughs) What if, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, what if you aren't as limited as you thought you are? What if you stopped focusing on your own personal limits and started thinking about what God might want to do in and through your life? What if the same God who created all things is actually very interested in providing for you when you begin to learn to trust him as your provider? God wants us to become wide open to what's possible when we live a life of faith and dependence on him. He just wants us to think differently because it's not limited to us. In this season of grappling with generosity as a church family, God has been inviting me to consider what I really believe about some things in life. There's lots of things we say we believe, right? But God has been challenging me to grapple and wrestle with what do I really believe? What do I really believe about money? What do I really believe about God and his ability or his desire to provide for me? Because we don't believe what we say, we believe what we do. And you might want to write that down. We don't believe what we say, we believe what we do, or we believe what we act on. We don't believe something by merely saying we believe it, or even when we believe that we believe it. (laughs) We believe something when we actually live as if it were true. When we act on it, we believe it. You know, there's this story of a a guy who was a tightrope walker in the early 1900s. His name was... He, was, he called himself Blondin the Great, and he's most famous for stretching a line across a segment of Niagara Falls, and a large crowd of people came out to watch him walk this uh, tightrope across a part of Niagara Falls. There's a huge crowd that gathered, and uh, he is kind of a showman, uh, maybe an early version of an evil Knievel type guy, but drew a big crowd. He walked across this sec- segment, walked back. And then kind of ran across it, so the story goes, and ran back. Then he came back to the crowd and he said, how many of you believe I could wheel a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls with someone in it and bring them back safely? How many of you believe that? And everybody in the crowd cheered, said, we believe it, we believe it. And he said, he brought a wheelbarrow up and he said, okay, I need a volunteer. (laughs) Who is willing? And no one volunteered. No one. Now, there's an addendum to this story that I heard later, another version of it, and I don't know if it's true. I don't even know if the first part of the story is true. I wasn't around in 1900, so it's all secondhand information for me. But there's an addendum that says, eventually, one woman's hand went up in the crowd, and it was his mother. And she said, I trust you. I believe you can do it. And she got in the wheelbarrow, and he took her across and back. I don't know if it's true, but it makes a great story. So listen, when I think about that, I wonder if the best way to find out what we actually believe is to consider what we actually do with our money. I wonder if the best way to find out whether we actually believe that we trust God as our provider is to consider what we're actually doing with our resources. And I think Jesus wanted us to understand one core truth about money and about who God is. And then Paul came along and he emphasized this as well. And that's this, God wants to lovingly provide for us if we will entrust our well-being to him. God wants to lovingly provide for us. Jesus emphasized it, made it so clear, if we entrust our well-being to him. 
It's about building a relationship with God that's based on who he is as our loving provider. Uh, If you know the Bible, you might know Paul was a missionary. And sometimes Paul went without. Sometimes he worked for food. Sometimes he was supported by the generosity of others. Paul, this incredible man of faith, was able to trust God in ways that really practically changed the course of human history. Paul was able to take risks without fear. And he had this intimately close relationship with God that enabled him to live a very free and open-handed, generous life. What enabled Paul to live this way? I believe it was because Paul truly believed that God was his provider, and he lived it out. He fully believed it. Paul talks about how we can build a trusting relationship with God in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I think it came out of his own experiences Um, And as I share this with you, this is my fault on this. When I sent the outline uh, to Leslie earlier in the week, I did not include in it the first half of verse 17. So if your Bibles are open, uh, it'll be on the screens here. You can put that first verse up. This is the first part of 1 Timothy 6, 17. It's not in your printed outline. It's on the screen, and I promise it's in your Bible if you'd like to open up and look at it there. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says this, Teach those who are rich in this world, and some of you are saying, stop right there, I'm not included, it doesn't apply to me, I'm not rich in this world. Everyone in this room is rich in this world. Everyone who's here this morning, in the context of this world, is rich in this world. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. This is coming from Paul, very generous man, fully trusted God as his his provider. This is what he's saying. Boom, there it is. It's so easy to trust in money. It's so easy to trust in money. It's so easy to trust that money's gonna keep us safe and it's gonna keep us secure, that if we have money, we're gonna feel better about our future. Life is gonna be better, but here's the problem. Paul is saying this. If you have money, it's easier to trust in your money instead of to trust in God. It's easy to do it. It's easy to say, I need that, I want that. I don't need to pray about it. I'll just swipe by now on Amazon and we'll get it done. Does anyone have any paper bills or coins in their pocket this morning? I know not as many people carry those. Anybody have it? I just want, if you have it, uh, just go ahead and pull that out. Don't get nervous. I am not taking an offering this morning. Some of you are, you said, I knew this was going to happen. I knew if I went to church, this was going to happen. Just take out a bill or a coin for a minute. And if you're not sitting back in the wings where it's very dark, you might be able to actually see that bill. But what does it say on your bill or on your coin about trust? In God we trust. On your bills? On your coins? It says, in God we trust. Do you know how that got there? Well, the story goes like this. That during the Civil War, and as the Civil War was ending, when we were printing large portions of our money and and kind of money was coming into the form that it's coming into now. In a time when it seemed like maybe our nation was going to fall apart, people asked this question, if we lost everything, in what, whom or what would we trust? What will we have left if this grand experiment called America falls apart? And in that time, by our leaders and by our country, there was this strong sense of, please remind us that our provision comes from God that our trust is in him no matter what happens and not from anything that we have or what we don't have. So to this day, it stays on our money. In God we trust. Now, 
Do you see the irony in that in your daily life? I just want you to think about that for a minute. I mean, it raises this ironic question every time you spend money on yourself or on something to take care of yourself, this question, in whom do I trust? Because whatever you and I depend on, that's where we put our hope and that's where our trust lies. So Paul tells us, he says, don't be proud. Don't trust in your money because it's not reliable. Trusting in money will just cause you to feel fear. You know, maybe you've been through a time when you invested your money in something and it seemed to disappear. And there's a lot of different ways that could take shape. Uh, for me, with two kids in college and one in high school and others still on the way, um, I maintain a fleet of five cars at this point. Uh, and so they're all good cars, but they're all older cars, and they all have well over 100,000 miles on them. And for whatever reason, this year, all five of those cars said, I need some care and some love. And so they've all spent some time in the shop this spring and this summer and into this fall. And it feels to me like somebody lit my savings account on fire. <laughs> it just feels like, oh man, like one thing goes wrong and the next thing goes wrong and the next thing goes wrong. And then my one son has a fender bender and, the, you know, and it just keeps on going. You know, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying money can't be relied on. It's going to disappear quickly. You can't control it. Things are going to happen. It's going to disappear quickly. And if you are the one who's providing for you and you are the one who's relying on money, it's just going to make you afraid. And it's going to cause you to live in fear if that's where your trust is, if that's where all your hope is. So Paul offers us this alternative in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the rest of 17 through 19. He says their trust should be in God. Would you circle trust and God? Their trust should be in God. And then you can underline this next part, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Paul goes on, he says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others by doing this they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. We're going to come back to this in a minute. Paul says, let me make it clear, our trust needs to be in God. That's where it needs to be. God's provided all that we need for our enjoyment, and God provides what we need so that we can do good in the world with it so that we can be generous to other people. And Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said we should use what we have for God's kingdom, and God will take care of us. Invest what you have in God's kingdom. God will take care of you. Can you imagine living as if you really believed that God was your provider? Getting up every day and fully living your life, fully trusting God as your provider. Then you'd be able to say things like this. You'd be able to say, you know, I'm not really worried, even if I lost all my money today, because my trust isn't in my money. My trust is in God, who's my provider. And if I lost it, I believe that God would provide for me. I can give generously today because I trust in God to provide. I don't have to worry about what I'll do if my fleet of cars break down because if it does, I'll just be trusting in God to provide. I can really enjoy what God has given me because it's a gift from him to be enjoyed. It's a gift from him to be shared. One of my favorite verses that reminds me of this promise from God or this who God is is Psalm 24. And I think it may have been foundational for Paul. Um, 
he may have returned to this psalm and it may have been foundational in kind of his theology and his belief about God as his provider. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. That's pretty inclusive, isn't it? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people. Everything belongs to him. The psalmist is just one more person of faith who reminds us of this truth that God created it. He owns it. And he's not running out of resources anytime soon. You hear that? God is not fearful or worried or concerned about running out of resources to provide for you because he owns it all. All of it belongs to him. Now, what if you could really depend on God to take care of you, to provide for you? What if, what would your life look like if you genuinely lived it that way? And guys, we're not talking today about just total throw caution to the wind. I just trust in God and I don't have any distant. No, that's not at all what God is talking about or what the psalmist is talking about or what Paul is talking about. I'm just asking this question. What if you really learned to depend on God and you saw him as your provider? How would it change the way that you live? Because you already know what happens if you depend on yourself to provide, right? You'd be frozen in fear when it comes to your money and especially when it comes to being generous. I mean, if your trust is in your own provision or in you to being generous in any way, you're gonna be frozen. There's gonna be no space for you to hear from God about being generous. You might even know how God wants you to be generous with your finances, but fear and uncertainty of what will happen if you're generous are going to keep you from doing it. And fear can make us lose sight of who created everything, of who owns everything, of who wants to provide for all of our needs. And I want you to hear this this morning. By our very nature, when we pursue something that's going to grow our faith, by our very nature, when we go to take a step of faith in life, when we decide to step into some uncertainty, when we decide to become wide open to whatever it is that God might want, it's going to increase our exposure to feel fear. It will. Because the reality is that uncertainty is an essential, is an essential ingredient to both faith and fear. That's why it's a step of faith. Because it's uncertain. It requires that we put our trust in something. But again, if if you follow Jesus in steps of faith, if you've ever surrendered your will to his, you know this, that without the element of the unknown, there could be no faith, right? It's not faith if you can fully see it and touch it and, and you know for sure. Faith requires trust. It's in that the moment of faith that we learn to rely less on what is seen and more on what is unseen. A step of faith is really about where we place our trust, whether we place it in God or in our own ability to provide for ourselves. So Paul encourages us not to give in to the fear. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he tells us how to move from that place of saying we believe that God is our provider to truly experiencing God as our provider. Paul encourages us to take a step of faith that gives us faith to build a trusting relationship with God. He says this, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, would you circle that? The one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Then underline this next sentence. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. He's essentially saying, are you just going to plant a couple of little seeds? Or are you going to plant generously? You must decide in your heart 
how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and underline this next sentence and God will generously provide all that you need then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others so here's Paul he's actually encouraging us to take a step of faith in generosity so that we can grow our faith by trusting in God as our provider and this is what Paul says if you want to really learn to trust God as your provider then take a cheerful and generous step of obedience. Don't do it reluctantly. Don't let fear lead the way. Do it cheerfully because you want your faith to grow, to increase your trust in God as your provider. Do you understand what Paul is saying? That's the goal. The goal isn't about how much you give. The goal is to increase your trust in God as your provider for you to really experience God as your provider. You know why God loves it when you and I become generous? God loves it when we become generous because it moves us from a place of fear and what we think we can accomplish on our own to a place of trust in God and who he is and what we can accomplish with him. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Now don't miss this this morning because this is really important. When you become generous, God says he won't just provide for you, but he'll provide through you. Did you see that in this passage? When you become generous, it's not just about God, you trusting God to provide for you, but when you become generous, God does this work in you and it changes you because he starts to provide for others through you. This is so powerful. He'll use what you give to help people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. He'll use what you give to be able to meet the needs of others in love in a way that can be transformational in their life. You see, when we begin to view our wealth from God's perspective, when we begin to believe that he owns it and he provides for us, we see that the thing that we fear isn't giving away too much to God's work. The thing that we fear when we actually get it right is, what if I give away too little? That's what we're concerned with. So what might happen if you brought God into your finances? What might happen if you actually said, God, I want you to be involved? You know, we can do that, but we can also do the opposite. We can keep God from being involved in our finances. And if you want to enjoy his provision, Paul says you've got to involve him every step of the way, and that means you need to surrender your money to him, and you need to trust him. You need to trust him as your provider. This passage of scripture is really about learning to put our trust fully in God as a father who generously provides for us, no matter how much or how little money you have. The truth is, nothing in the scriptures teach that we won't endure hardships in this life, even financial ones. Even when we're following God, there's no teaching in the scripture that says, if you do this, you will never have financial hardships. But your finances can be one more area where you can build a rewarding faith and trust relationship with God. And when that happens, whether you have a lot or you have a little, everything changes. You know, for some of us, God is sitting on the sidelines of our lives, right? That's where we've placed him. He's watching us struggle with finances. He's watching us fear the future. He's watching us put all of our trust in, in our provision or in our money instead of him. We've never surrendered our finances and we've never trusted him as our provider. And in my experience as a pastor, I think many people already believe they know that they need God as their provider. I say that only because I've never heard anyone pray anything like this when they're in a financial struggle. They never pray, God, as you know, I've followed my own plan all these years. 
uh, and it's got me into this financial crisis, but you know, I think I'm going to still bank on my plan to work out on its own, so I'll just figure it out. God, you can go help somebody else. I don't hear that prayer. This is, that, that's not what we pray when we get upside down, when, when we struggle financially. We pray things like, God, would you do something, please? Would you do anything? Would you send money? I need help. That's the way we pray. So in those moments, we long for God to be our provider. So here's the question this morning. What keeps us from trusting God before the bottom drops out in our lives? What keeps us from trusting him to provide all the resources that we need so that we can carefully channel those resources for our enjoyment and into his kingdom for the sake of others? Here's what I think. If you're going to trust God in this area, if you're going to grow in your faith, it's a challenge because it's not going to feel right. Let me explain that. Here's the trouble with fear. And we all know this because we've all felt it. Fear has always been one of the primary enemies to growing our faith. It doesn't matter what the issue is. Fear has always been one of the primary enemies to us trusting God, taking a step of faith. It has a way of clouding our thinking and it makes us irrational. So let me just point something out about faith and fear. Fear and faith go hand in hand. Of course, when you're about to step, take a step of faith, you're going to be afraid and it might not feel right. Of course, that's going to happen because faith and fear go hand in hand. The key principle that I want you to get from this message today is this. You need to know that often trusting God is opposite of your natural instincts. It's not going to feel right. If you're going to get God involved in your finances, there are going to be times when it doesn't feel 100% comfortable. There are going to be times when it doesn't feel 50% comfortable. There are going to be times when it doesn't feel comfortable at all. And you may have to be willing to trust something beyond your gut because in this particular area, your emotions are not going to be reliable. You'll find yourself saying things like this. It doesn't feel right. And you're saying that because money's an emotional subject and it, it brings fear. Listen, God's peace is not based on feeling. God's peace is based on trust. God's peace is based on our trust in him. It's based on taking God at his word. But if we hold back from God because it doesn't feel right, our giving is going to be based on our emotions or on our fears rather than in trusting God. Our generosity is going to be based on our emotions and our fears rather than our confidence in God. It's like saying, I'm going to protect myself financially by not involving God in my finances. God, I'm going to protect myself by not being wide open to you. That's what I'm deciding. And as a person of faith, maybe you hear that statement and you might be thinking, I would never say that. That's not what I'm saying. And yet when we consider how we grapple with generosity, you might think I've been stuck in how generous I should be because I'm basing it on what I can do on my own. And I'm afraid. And maybe you've not really ever prayed a prayer like this. God, you provided all of this. You aren't running out of resources anytime soon. You actually promised to provide for me so that I'm able to be generous. So God, I'm going to take some steps of faith to experience you as my provider. You know, if that's where you are this morning and you're grappling and you just don't know what all of this means for you, I want to encourage you, you're not alone. We're doing this as a church family. We're doing it together. I want you to listen to Todd's story. That was the timer going off for Todd's story. Let's watch it together. 
I met my wife Victoria back in 2010. Uh, her business was doing very well. I had a very secure job. Uh, we attained a lot of worldly possessions from all the world standards. We would have been considered very successful. Uh, at that time we were tithing, but we didn't really feel it a lot because we were giving from a place of plenty. So we never really affected our day-to-day -day living. Fast forward a few years, uh, God took us down a different path. Uh, Victoria's business took a downturn. Um, we incurred a lot of personal and business debt just to keep the business afloat. At that time, we had to wrestle with, do we pay the debt, do we pay our tithe? We prayed about it a great deal. Uh, we wrestled with what we should do first, what is our priority? Where we are today is we're still grappling, still asking God to allow us to live with our hands wide open. Uh, we feel like it's an act of a posture of surrender. And for me, it's a struggle of trust. It's a struggle of, will God really provide for me? You know, as a church, um, we have this commitment coming up at the end of this generosity initiative. And I guess I want to encourage you with this this morning. Can I invite you to not be overly concerned about getting a number right? About a commitment number that maybe you feel, what's the right number for me? Or comparing your number in your mind with what somebody else might be able to give or might not be able to give. And how does that matter in the big scheme of things? Because if you do that, I'm afraid you're going to miss an opportunity to know God as your provider. To build a relationship with him as your provider. And this is our prayer. This is what we'd really love for you to be focused on as we move through this initiative. And that's why it's really the number one goal as we walk through this together of this discipleship initiative. What kind of move would truly enable you to really experience God as your provider? What kind of commitment to giving to God's kingdom would build trust in your relationship with him? Because that's going to look different for every person in this room. It's going to look so unique for each of us. If you're a person who's never given anything, that first step, whatever that is, that's going to be unique to you. If you're a person who's generously surrendered and God's prompting in your heart for you to generously surrender in a new way, it's going to look different for you. But what is going to bring you to the place that you're going to be able to say, God, I am truly learning how to trust you as my provider. I'm taking a step forward in my faith relationship with you. That's what I'm doing. That's the place. That's our heart for you as we walk through this discipleship initiative together. Because like we've said before, we can continue to do ministry. God can continue to advance his church even with old buildings and bad systems and all that kind of thing, but God can't advance his church without our surrender. He can't. He wants us to trust him. So let me share with you a couple of ways that I've been thinking about this as we get ready to close this morning and some inspiring stories that I've heard from others in our church family as they've been thinking about this as well. Here are a few practical ways to trust God's loving provision. These might spur some good thoughts for you as you've been thinking about this. The first way is this, lifestyle choices. You might be sitting there this morning, you might be like, God, what do I have to give? I don't have anything. What do I have to offer? It's a good question. I was just talking with someone this week who said, you know, I realized that I don't need a latte five times per week. And if I gave that up, I could reallocate $25 a week towards God's kingdom. And some of you coffee lovers are like, ouch, did you have to start with that? Like, 
whatever, whatever lifestyle choices God might prompt you to say, look, God, to show that I trust you as my provider, I'm going to go without today. I'm going to trust, God, that you're going to provide. Stored resources is the second thing. Something that God has provided for you that you could use for generosity. I shared a little bit with you last week about uh, kind of my retirement fund contribution, how God, I've been wrestling with that. This week, uh, I'm so thrilled with how our church, our whole church family is in on this, and our church staff is in on it too, Pastor Sean, others, Pastor Sean talked about at our staff meeting the other day, just how, um, you know, he's got this boat that he loves boating because it's something, he says it's the only thing that he and his dad did and enjoyed together. Um, but it brings back good memories, and he has this boat, and he, but he only gets out on it a couple of times a year, and he almost has to force himself to, to be able to do that at that time. And he just says, you know what, I think it's just time for me to let it go. Like, I just feel like I want to give it to God's kingdom. It, it could be used so much better, that those resources for God's kingdom, than sitting beside my garage all but two weekends a year kind of thing. I want to share this story, too. Um, Jason shared with us at staff. And I don't share this to celebrate the people as much as to celebrate what God's doing in our hearts. Uh, Jason was sharing with us, whew, sharing as a team that as he was wrestling through this and just deciding, God, how do you want me to take a step of faith and trust in you? Um, he didn't have any stored resources. So he had a meeting with his, um, his lender, his mortgage um, broker, and just said, hey, I wanted to see where rates are. Is it possible that I could remortgage in this season? so that I could give some to God's kingdom because I don't have stored resources. And um, you know that he didn't say it that way when he first asked. He just asked, he wanted to get the, the nature of where he, things were. And he found out that the rate that he currently had is way better than the rate that they could offer him right now. And they asked what he wanted to borrow the money for. And that's when he shared with them that he wanted to use this as God's really at work through his church. And he wants to be generous and surrender some of that money to God. And... Um, so he found out he'd actually have to kind of pay in to remortgage. And so he said, okay, I just want to know where that was. Well, the next day, his mortgage lender called him back and just said, hey, I was talking with my boss, and we were just so impressed. Most people borrow money for themselves, but we were borrowing money to give to others. Blew us away. So we want to offer you that same rate that you have. You don't have to pay in. We'll offer you that better rate if you want to remortgage in this season. Again, how God works in us. When we take a step of faith and we grapple, remember we talked about that last week, hands aren't closed, hands are open, we grapple, it has impact, it makes a difference, it's powerful. The third area is unforeseen provision. Maybe God is getting you to a level of generosity that will really build a strong relationship with him, a way for you to trust God, to provide for you. While you provide for others, someone shared with me this week something they were wrestling with is one of their kids needed braces, and they had been saving a little bit towards that, and they said, but we really feel God prompting us to give that money and trust that God's going to provide for those braces in some other way. Again, I don't even know if they'll land there, but just sharing the heart, the grappling in all of this, and wrestling with saying, God, how do you want me to learn to trust you? Maybe in some way that I've not trusted you before, some new way. Because I want to grow in my trust relationship with you. You know, tonight we have this advanced commitment service over at our Oarsbridge Road property. And it's all about that. It's all about starting where you are, maybe being ready to lead out in your commitment. And for some of you, you might not be all the way there. But you come tonight because you're ready to make a step of commitment, some step. And this, I think it's just going to be a beautiful night, a landmark service for us as a church family. It's designed to help you hear from God and be able to take that next step and lead out 
I want to welcome the church family. Anybody who wants to come and be a part of that tonight, you're welcome to come and join us for that tonight. And I've heard some people say, I need more time to make a decision. I respect that. That might be true. But I wonder how many of us, if we need to just make and take some intentional time to make a step of faith that isn't based on feeling or figuring it all out in our head, but it's based on our trust in God. Saying, God, I, I trust you. I already give this, and I do that faithfully, and I, I want to celebrate that. I know that's what this season has led to for me is being uh, joyful about what I already, reminding me of how important it is, and being joyful about what I already give to God's kingdom. Like, I have a renewed excitement about being able to be generous. It's a good thing. But you're welcome to join us tonight if you'd like to do that. The rest of us uh, will have the opportunity to make our commitment in a couple weeks here on a Sunday morning service on November the 17th. It's Commitment Sunday, and this is going to be a part of the service where you can come up and drop your commitment in, in a basket and say, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to provide for me while I make this commitment to in invest in others for your, for your sake. And that commitment will be confidential, just like all your other giving at Daybreak is confidential, but it's an important step for you to take with God and with the church family. The amazing thing about this commitment, the thing I love, is that it's over two years, which gives each of us plenty of time to learn to trust God as our provider in that season. It's not going to be a once-and-done thing. We're going to walk this out over two years and say, God, I'm trusting you, and I just can't imagine what a church family that has learned to surrender and trust to God, what God's going to do in us and through us in the next couple of years. I want you to think about the implications of really believing that the God of the universe wants to provide for you and through you. What if you woke up tomorrow morning? What if every one of us got up that way with this thought about giving? We thought, instead of going and just making a living today, God, and just trying to get through the grind, God, I'm going to work today because there's purpose behind my resources. There's purpose behind them. I'm going to be able to be generous as I trust you, God, and as I work hard today with what you provide through my job. What if each of us said, I'm going to work today so that I can get paid and, and be generous towards your kingdom, God? What if we said, God, you own it all, and you gave me this spiritual family that I love, and I get to be a part of this incredible ministry that's happening in and through my church, so I'm, I'm going to make sure to resource the mission and vision of, the of our church, and I know, God, that you're going to resource me. I trust you to provide for me so I can be generous. I know it's upside-down thinking. I know it is. It's becoming aware of something counterintuitive for most of us. And this is at the center of everything that Jesus taught. Jesus says, if you'll make your life about taking care of what's important to me, I'm going to take care of you. Jesus says, that's kind of the new deal. That's how it works in God's economy. And Jesus can make that promise and he can keep it because he owns it all. And he's not limited by my paycheck or your savings account. He's not limited at all. God wants to lovingly provide for us if we'll entrust our well-being to him. God's waiting for you and I to invite him into his finances. He's excited about partnering with us to change the world. So this is my question for you today. Are you willing to jump into the wheelbarrow and trust God to be your provider? Are you ready to act on what you say you believe? What's your next step in trusting God so that you can experience him and his provision in your life? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Just in a spirit of prayer this morning, whatever step God might be calling you to take, I don't know, but he can tell you whatever that step is so that you can fully and truly trust him as your loving provider. 
someone who's going to provide for you and someone who's going to provide through you to bless others. If you're truly ready to trust God instead of money, if you really believe this, then you're no longer limited by fear of losing what you have because you know that God will provide for you as you invest in his kingdom. I want you to invite you to just pray this prayer along with me with an open heart this morning. God, you are so generous. You're never going to run out of resources. And you promise to provide for me so that I can be generous. So God, I'm going to take some steps of faith to experience you as my provider. I don't just want to say it anymore. I want to believe it. So I'm going to act on it. Today, God, I want to invite you to refocus my thoughts from just making a living. God, I want you to refocus my thoughts towards giving. Would you please help me understand what kind of giving would help me overcome my fear and grow my faith? Those are the steps that I want to take. God, help me to surrender my money to you today and fully trust you as my provider. In Jesus' name. Amen.